It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio, relevantradio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. This is the show that's all about direction, direction for our good, for our happiness, and for our fulfillment in the life of faith in following Jesus. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Josh Raymond today. If you'd like to check out Practicing Catholic, my weekly show for the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, you can find archived shows and links to podcasted interviews and social media over at practicingcatholicshow.com. Well, tomorrow, as I'm sure you're aware, is Thanksgiving. And although, of course, our lives of faith are meant to be centered on giving thanks to God for all his goodness in all circumstances, this is a great time of year to take stock and count our many blessings. And I know right up at the top of my list of things I'm thankful for is my godly, loving, faithfully Catholic wife. She is a gift in countless ways to me, not least of which is her dedication to our Lord and to our Blessed Mother and to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And maybe if you're married, you're in a similar situation. But what about folks who are married to someone from a different faith tradition? What if you don't see eye to eye with your spouse when it comes to matters of faith, matters of Jesus and the church? Today we're going to look at the many wonderful benefits of holy marriage and also try to address the issues that can arise from two spouses holding different belief systems. Here to guide us and help us in our discussion today is our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, who's the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Father Eric has been the pastor of St. Paul since 2006 and a priest of the Diocese of Madison since 1995. Father Nielsen, good to have you back with us. Hello, it's great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to our conversation, and I uh, hope we get a lot of calls because it's a very varied and um, an interesting topic, one that a lot of our listeners are sure are in, and I'm sure we could learn a lot from uh, what they have to say. Absolutely, that's right. Why don't we start off with uh, with just generally, why don't you give us again just a brief synopsis form, Father, if you would, the the Catholic understanding of marriage. Okay, well, the first thing we want to know about marriage is that it's, a, it's instituted by God as a, something that exists on a natural level for all people. So whether you're a Christian or not, you can enter into an authentic marriage in God's eyes. And so authentic, an authentic marriage is whenever two people um, decide that for the rest of their lives, they will be exclusive, that the other person will be their exclusive partner and that they'll be open to children, and that they'll love and support each other and try to raise their children as best as they can. You know, that, that's, that's a natural marriage, and um, it, um, it exists, therefore, in the eyes of God as an authentic marriage. So we'd never want to say that, you know, only Christians, you know, have authentic marriages. Now, if you are baptized and you're marrying another baptized person, then and you enter into marriage with with the things I just talked about those prerogatives, 
then that marriage necessarily is a sacramental marriage, meaning that God's grace then enters into the marriage in order for that couple to fulfill all of their natural obligations in with God's love in a way that will bear fruit in eternity and will bring great blessings to um, themselves you know, in their marriage right then. And so in a sense then, the sacrament of marriage is just what is given to any couple that's entered into a marriage. So this idea, so a priest then doesn't marry a couple. Um, mm. It's the right. couple that marry each other, and the priest just witnesses it for, on behalf of the church. And from the early days um, in the church, it was understood that you would not get married without the permission of the bishop. So in order for Catholics to validly marry, they need the permission of the bishop. And most bishops in the world, I think all of them, have um, handed over that responsibility to pastors. And so then in the name of the bishop, the pastor has the ability to get permission for a couple to get married. Hmm. And so every mar- every Catholic needs that permission of uh, of their pastor in order to be validly married. If hmm. And the church binds them to that. So if they don't have the permission of their pastor, they're not validly married, while their, um, you know, pagan friends across the street would be. Yeah, I hope that's clear and makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it can be kind of hard to understand, especially if you're not familiar with that particular aspect of of Catholic teaching. But that's a that's a good that's a good way of starting us out, Father. And let's let's actually go on to talk about just talk about a few of the many benefits of a sacramental marriage. Well, the first thing with the, with the sacramental marriage is that you receive the um, grace to be able to fulfill your obligations to your spouse out of love, with love and affection. God's love is made present in that marriage. And a great symbol of that is the wedding feast of Cana, where, where our Lord Jesus turned wine into water. So what happens there is that the natural love and affection that you have for your spouse is kind of divinized, and you're given a great grace then to just really love your spouse with, with the love of Jesus Christ. And what that can very easily do is keep your spouse then as the greatest joy of your life. I mean, your spouse mm-hmm. is meant to be the greatest joy of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, that love then more easily then transfers down into the students, or not, not the students, because <laughs> it's my language since I work with students, it transfers <laughs> yeah. down in, into the children, right? And so then they grow up right. within this love, and so then their ability then to grow up in the faith is greatly increased um, because the, the children are growing within that relationship of faith. Mm-hmm. And so it's a benefit to the couple's love. It's a benefit to the children's ability to keep their faith and then finally, I'd just like to mention that in a sacramental marriage, your spouse's ability to um, love you and to increase your ability to get to heaven is, uh, is increased at all because, mm-hmm. you know, th- that, that grace of that marriage is orientated then towards, towards heaven. It's not merely a natural um, institution. It's a, it, in a sense, it becomes a supernatural institution. So the ability of that couple to 
use that marriage as a way for them to grow in holiness as an authentic vocation, then is greatly increased. Yeah. Now, yeah. That's great. And and I, it's a jumping off point right there, Father. Let me ask, since you do work with a number of students, I'm guessing you have, from, at least from time to time, uh, you have prepared couples for marriage. And just starting off, do, would you say because of the benefits that you just mentioned, and, and many more, I'm sure, but uh, is it generally, uh, do you find that couples with common common uh, faith traditions, common uh, roots that way, or at least common values, do they make for better spouses? Well, I, the thing is, as, uh, as we all know, the more you have in common with the person you marry, the more that holds your, the more things hold your marriage together, right? Sure. Yeah. And there's, <clears throat> if you lose, and there's nothing deeper to you personally than your faith. Well, if you share your same faith with your spouse, um, then that faith has a great unifying ability to you. If you don't have that that faith with your spouse, then you know you you've lost that 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 bonding um, characteristic, you know, of your marriage, and your marriage is going to um, be weaker because of it. Doesn't mean your marriage is going to fall apart and not be a you know a happy marriage. It's just, it's not going to be as strong as it could be. So you take any couple that's married, no matter how strong their marriage is, if they share the same faith, their their marriage would be stronger and more fulfilling for each of them. Mm-hmm. Very good. So for you, our listeners, are you and your spouse of the same faith, of different faith? Do you share values or are some of your values on different levels? Uh, We'd love to hear from you, uh, just to hear some about some of the some benefits of of uh, being of the same faith tradition or this having the same similarities and how how that's blessed your marriage, or if you happen to be of of differing faiths, um, are there anything that you've experienced that way that we can we can learn from? How have you navigated that if you're married to someone who does not share your same? belief system, your same uh, tradition when it comes to the faith, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. But we'd love to hear from you. As Father Eric has already said, we'd love to hear, have many people call in and talk about their experiences, specifically in marriage and either sharing or perhaps there's some disparity there. Um, Father, I want to uh, go back to the scriptures, if we could. St. Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about not being yoked with unbelievers. Um, and I believe the, the church calls this a disparity of cult um, when you have uh, two spouses who are two of two different faith traditions. Um, so what exactly, what are some of the things that make such a marriage potentially at least challenging? The yeah, disparity of cult... Um uh, actually, I think it, it concretely is when you marry somebody that isn't baptized. Okay. So yeah, if you're, very good. you know, so if you marry, if you marry somebody who's, who's a Lutheran, you know, we consider, well, you're, you're both Christian. Um, although I'm not, that, that, that still has its own little, little differences that you're going to have to work through. Right. Mm. But the great tension that happens when the, the first tension, when it comes to disparity of cult is how are the children raised? Mm. And, What's the value system that's going to be given to their children? So that's the first difficulty that arises. Um, and if you're, if the woman is Catholic and the husband isn't, it's going to be very difficult to give the faith to the children because children just naturally, on a psychological level, 
um, follow the faith of the Father. You know, it's just hard to get around that. Um, it's it's just it's just the way kids are. And so, if you're a woman and your and your husband it isn't a believer, the odds of your children not being believers are pretty high, pretty high as well. Mm-hmm. But then the other difficulty is. Um, what happens when things get difficult within your marriage? I mean, you, you, you lose a child, um, somebody gets seriously injured in a car accident, you know, your house burns down or, you know, something traumatic really happens. When difficult things happen in a marriage, it's very important for the couple to open up to each other and share their emotions with each other and share their feelings with each other. If they don't, then very often that difficulty will 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 just cause the couples to kind of move into their own emotional shell and just really put a barrier between the two of them. Well, if a, if a very important way of you dealing with difficulties is through your relationship with God and your relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can't share that with your spouse, you know, that's, again, that's, that's going to make it hard for you to, to just, you know, overcome that difficulty as, as, as a unit, as, as one. And so I think, you know, that's, that's where things show up. It's kind of like when I was a canoe guide, you know, we'd always say, you know, anybody can camp when the sun is shining. You know, it's when you get bad <laughs> weather that you really find out who knows how to camp, right? Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I like that. You know, any, any, any marriage can do well, you know, if things are going, you know, if things are going well, right? It's, it's when difficulties arise and you have trouble and tension. Well, that's when most people fall back on their faith. Well, if you can't fall on your faith together, um, it's just going to make it more difficult for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly true. I know that at least from my own experience that uh, my wife and I being of both Catholics, both uh, converts to Catholicism, actually, but uh, walking the life of faith uh, together for a long time, um, I mean, we uphold and support one another. And if I didn't get that from her in times of crisis or in times of trouble, Boy, I, I don't know where I would be, but it does happen, right? And I mean, yeah. it, it's out there. And so that's exactly, uh, if, if that's your situation, if you're wondering what to do in specific situations, or if you have ways of navigating that well, if you're married to someone who does not share your faith views, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. So, Father, how about, uh, let's also talk about, because I know this is this is pretty prevalent. I directed RCIA for a number of years, and uh, I saw spouses who would come in, and there would be one spouse who was Catholic, one who was Protestant or of a Protestant tradition. And they're, they just, perhaps they'd recognized over years of marriage that, you know what, this marriage thing would be better or easier if we were of the same tradition. So let's talk some about that. When a, when a Catholic and a Protestant marry um, there, what are some of the what are some of the benefits to that? But also, what some what are some of the potential challenges there as well? Well, you know, maybe just back up. When somebody comes up to me, this happens all the time. You know, like like, um, you know, a girl come in and says, you know, I'm in love with this boy. He's not Catholic. What do you think, Father? Should I should yeah. I marry him? And um, I'm like, well, you know, it's better. In some ways, I tell them better a man of solid virtue who's of a different faith than a man who's Catholic who doesn't have any virtue, mm. you know. And so, because grace builds on virtue, and there's just not a lot of good good men out there with solid virtue who have your faith. And you know, there's been a lot of um, marriages in the church that brought forth saints that you know the couples didn't share the same faith. And marriage is this 
is just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, it's it'd be terrible if we waited until we had the perfect couple in order to marry them, right? Right. So, but but what I tell them is, you don't want to marry somebody that first of all can't respect your faith, because if they can't respect your faith, they can't respect you. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, I think the most important thing in a Protestant Catholic marriage is they both have to understand what is really true and good and beautiful about each other's faith and respect that. And and then you want to really admire the other person's ability to follow their faith, their faith, mm-hmm. and to um, strengthen them in that. And if you're, we would hope, in other words, if you were married to Lutheran, you'd hope that your spouse's desire to be a good Lutheran would lead them to be a good Catholic. Mm-hmm. Would, you know, just as you get closer to Christ, um, you're getting closer to the truth. And the, the, the true faith is the Catholic faith. Um, so anyway, that's, that's just kind of the advice that I give them in that um, you want to go to church in a certain sense as a family. Um, if dad has to go. To, if, if dad isn't going to church, um, it, it's, that's just not going to work for the kids very well. Um, if mom doesn't go to church, it might work a little better if dad goes. Um, but still, that, that doesn't work very well. So yeah. um, anyway, that's kind of my, my views on the subject. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Father. And I, and I think that uh, there are many people out there who have been in that situation and will continue to will continue encounter it, I'm sure. Um, interesting, though, the what you were saying specifically about uh, someone who perhaps is a baptized Catholic or is, as someone who's married someone who is a baptized Catholic, but... Uh, but they're not uh, a man or a woman of virtue, and uh, or they're not regular participants in the sacraments. Would you would you say? Obviously, there's some potential challenges there as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing. But you know, it's as you know, maybe you don't know. I mean, marriage is a little bit of a crapshoot. You know, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you make you make your best choice, and you then you know that's it, and you run with it, right? And so. You know, would would you rather marry somebody who just happens to be cat? You know, like like a, a young woman comes in and she's bright and she's intelligent and she let's say she comes from a kind of an upper middle class social economic sphere and you know she's got this guy she could marry but you know he's obviously not nearly as smart as she is he's he's just kind of rough around the edges but he happens to be Catholic and there's just just charming strong virulent you know and he's pilot who's, you know, comes from, you know, grew up in the same neighborhood she did and happens to be Lutheran, you know, well, what's the best option for her and her children in in that regard, right? Um, You know, life's a little messy. You don't always get everything that you want out of life. And so maybe if you can tell this guy that's Lutheran, look, I just need you to support the faith and come to church with us and the kids every Sunday and you know that that might necess- that probably be your better option mm-hmm. than, than being in a marriage with a Catholic guy that you know doesn't really have a lot of natural virtue who you're not going to be able to relate too well to because you just don't dialogue that very well and and um, you know is this probably only going to go to church because you're making him go mm-hmm. so yeah yeah that's uh, I mean that's just kind of the the the, the concrete reality of people yeah so, yeah. 
Right. Well, that is the human environment that we live in, right? And so, yeah. uh, like you said, you, you don't know. You don't know. Uh, every You don't can't see the end of the road um, when, it, when you get into marriage. But there are some good principles, at least, to uh, to start us off on. And our spiritual director today, Father Eric Nielsen. Father Eric's the pastor of St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And uh, then, uh, and he's also been giving us some great advice as we're talking about marriage and uh, some very good things uh, about that can come from marriage, but also one of the things that, uh, some of the things that we might encounter, especially when there is a difference in belief systems or uh, how we think about how we approach life, that sort of thing. And we're going to get into some calls, but first we're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, We're going to come right back, though, with more with Father Eric Nielsen and marriage and faith. We'll be right back. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Josh Raymond today with our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. is with us again as our spiritual directors. We're talking about marriage and particularly some of the things that spouses can face if they don't necessarily come from the same faith tradition. Father, let's go to the phones now. We've got Dorothy who's calling in from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Dorothy, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Uh, Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was just wanting to call in and make a comment. Um, I'm a cradle Catholic. I was raised and went to Catholic school. And my spouse is a Catholic, and I'm blessed for that. But he, sometimes he's not um, forthcoming for some things. Like, for example, I, I say the rosary every day, and he always asks me, why do you do that? And I just wanted to make a comment that sometimes when you marry a spouse and their their upbringing is a little bit different than yours, they don't always understand why you um, you know pray the rosary, why you celebrate certain feast days. Those are some of the struggles I've had. And he is a good man. Um, he supports me, and he goes to mass with me every day. But I pray for him because he doesn't. Um, I guess he doesn't really understand some of the the things like the prayers and the feast days that we celebrate. Oh, there sounds like he should go on a good retreat somewhere. Or the two of you should make a nice little um, pilgrimage someplace. That might help. I've suggested that. Um, but it's just a struggle I have, and I pray for him all the time. And I say the rosary with... Um, Father Rocky every night, and I turn on my phone so he hears it every night, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't join me. But I'm going to continue to uh, continue to do that and hope that he uh, he joins me at some point. <laughs> okay, oh, that's great. Keep it up. Keep it up, Dorothy. Yeah. So, I mean, that that is one thing, too, that i just like to say that's, you know, like, you know, sometimes it can be rather distressing for to find out that your spouse, you know, all these they're Catholic, don't share the same depth of faith experience that you do. And that might seem a little distancing, like, you know, my husband or my wife, she just, 
she just doesn't understand the things that I do. Well, I mean, that's probably going to be the case in all marriages. You know, it's just we're, we're not, we don't have the same spirituality. You know, our, our Lord doesn't touch people the same way at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, even Our Lady and St. Joseph, as holy as they were, Our Lady was experiencing, I mean, the, the depth of her spirituality far exceeded St. Joe's, you know. So um, we can't just really expect um, to always have uh, like a perfect continuity in regards with our faith, with our spouse, and realize, you know, it's a sign to us that our real spouse is in heaven with God. You know, that's the one person that's truly going to fulfill us, you know, not our spouse, and not to put too much of a burden on our spouse and expect too much from them. Yeah, thank you, Dorothy, for the call. And uh, it's good advice not to expect too much from our spouse or father and recognize that God works us, with us at different times and certainly under the influence of our spouses, to be sure. But, Dorothy, please keep listening. As um, I think we're going to actually we're gonna, we're gonna pick father's brain a little bit more about uh, discrepancies in that. But I wanted to take one more call before we get there, Father. I also, also want to hear from Lois, who's calling in from Michigan. Lois, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Um, um, everything you were saying and the, before the last call described our, my marriage. We've been married 40 years. Um, I'm a Baptist. He's a Catholic. And we lived in Arizona to start, and I moved here to uh, Michigan, and I started listening to Relevant Radio. Ah. And through living with me, I mean, I've always been a faithful Christian, and I believe if I ask, I receive, and I always do. And he saw this in my life, and uh, oh, just miracles that God has bestowed on us because he is a good and wonderful, I think he should be called St. Ken, and I call him that sometimes, because he's, he's such a wonderful, kind man. And what's happening is I'm converting because I believe it's important to go to church with the person you love. And I'm trying to get through RCA, but it snows here, and then I don't make it. <laughs> I'm on my third shot. I'm going to try. <laughs> but we go to church together. I don't take communion. Before I started listening to Relevant Radio, I would tell him, God didn't say you have to be Catholic to take communion. He said, do this in, in for me, you know, and think of me. And it, his whole family, of course, was aghast. And so since I've been listening to Relevant Radio, and I have stopped doing that because it's disrespectful, and I don't want to be that. And I want the communion the way it's supposed to be, and I want to do confession. So for those people out there, just keep doing it. Join. Join your mates. See what happens. Listen to Relevant Radio. God will change your heart. Well, Lois, that's a great plug. Thank you very much for that. You just... um... For three years, you've been trying to go to RCIA classes? Yes. They start, you know, in September, and they go through to April. And here in Michigan, it snows a lot, and, and they have them at night, 7 to 9, I think. And I'm too scared to drive home alone. It scares no, me. You br- then I quit bring, your husband, bring your husband then, with you. He'd, bring your husband with you. He'll learn something. Yeah. Maybe I should do that, because I know more about his religion than he does. Yeah. <laughs> his his, uh, his brother got in a cave in, and it crushed him, his all internal organs and everything. And I sent the priest to the hospital to bless him and put oil on him. And his father was like, 
Lois did that? And he was just amazed that I, out of everybody he knows, is the one that called to get the breather. So, you know, now yeah, it's just softening to me, too. <laughs> You know, the, the the best RCA program is just going to Mass every Sunday and um, and praying. Yes. So, uh, you know, if you're just going to Mass that. every Sunday, I just living a life of prayer. Communion. I want yeah. And, you, you know, and you're listening to relevant radio. Just uh, tell your day. priest you want to go to confession. Yeah. Yeah, Lois. I think uh, I think we're we're hearing your desire in in what you're saying, and uh, that's a it, obviously the Lord is is working not just in you but in your marriage as well. And uh, I got to say too, as uh, I will second what Father said, is that uh, I often, if not always, encourage spouses to come to RCIA uh, with their spouse who is seeking to learn more about the Catholic Church and hopefully, please God, become Catholic as well. So. I'd be right along there with your, with you in that. So thank you. Thank you, Lois, for the call. And we uh, we will be praying for you here in the inner life. If you have a, a story to tell about a way that you or your spouse have responded to um, your your differences in belief systems, if perhaps you've, you have joined, like Lois joined RCIA and trying to get through it that way, then... Uh, give us a call. Join the conversation. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. And uh, yeah, certainly, Father. I, I guess I wanted to ask specifically in response to both Dorothy and Lois. Then, how how would you suggest we do talk about faith when our spouse disagrees with us? Well, that's you know one of the things is you just have to have a united front with the kids. So, you know, I think it backfires if you try to you know, like save the rosary every day with the kids and your spouse is against it. You know, I just think that's not, in the end, that's that's not going to have the positive benefit you're hoping it will. So you just really want to keep that union together in front of the kids. And the best thing you can do in that circumstance is just for you to deepen your faith and deepen your love and try to do things as, you know, as best as possible. You know, if you have a disagreement about faith, you just, and St. Paul says it, it's just never worth arguing about the faith. I mean, I would never argue about it. Just, just, just whatever it is. I mean, don't give in, but just stop the conversation with something else. If you can have a fruitful discussion about the faith where, you know, you're just really learning about each other's faith and you're saying, this is what I think, this is what the Catholic church teaches. And it's so, and the, you know, tempers aren't being raised and people are able to look at it objectively. I'd say, you know, go ahead when those opportunities present themselves. Mm. But, um, it just doesn't work to um, have any tension in an argument over it. I mean, the other thing, too, is you just can't headlock somebody into the truth. You know, mm-hmm. people are converted more by love and affection, I think, these days than they are just by, you know, the raw truth of the situation. And as Catholics, I mean, the thing about being Catholic is that we've had 2,000 years to, you know, kind of think this stuff through. And, and you can really easily get the intellectual upper hand. In, in an argument, and sometimes that's not helpful either. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, know your faith. Don't back down. Be, be be prepared to explain why you have the joy that you do. But, you know, we should do that um, calmly and, and with uh, compassion towards our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So the witness of our lives. And, yeah, they say the two things not to bring up around the dinner table is religion and politics, right? Uh, yeah. probably going to be... <laughs> but they, on the other hand, though, if you didn't talk about those things, you know, those are interesting things to talk about as long as they don't, they don't get out of hand, right? Right. 
Yeah, they are interesting. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's uh, let's actually go uh, on on the whole kids idea. I want to go to Linda, who's calling in from Arizona. So uh, I think she has something to say about that. Linda, welcome to the Inner Life. Hi, I thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to make a comment and agree with what the father said regarding children. Um, taking after their dad's footsteps when it comes to going to church. My situation is I married a Catholic man who was an altar server, went to Catholic schools, was involved in Junior Knights of Columbus. I, on the other hand, was baptized Catholic, made my first Holy Communion, parents split up, divorced, no more church, nothing, no cross, no crucifix, nothing was ever mentioned in my house until I got married to this man, the Catholic man. And, um, but I love this man so much that he was, you know, he's a good man, but I'm the one who got my kids involved at church. I'm the one who took them to church. I'm the one who did all the stuff that kept my kids in church. But there was a time, there came a time when I was having a rough time, and I left, not that I left the Catholic Church, I just gave up and stopped taking my kids to church with me, because they would fight with me all the time. They were boys, and they were rowdy and fighting all the time, and I, I, they just wanted to stay home with their dad, so I let them stay home with their dad so that I could be at peace at church, so I could have some peace, so I could hear what was being said, so I wouldn't be getting those stares from the other parishioners about my kids, you know, quiet your kids or, or something. You know, I saw those stares. But um, I've always been attracted to the Catholic Church. I, I was raised Protestant, and... Um, but when I got married, I took it seriously. I I wanted to 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 stay in the church, but you know, my husband didn't have the same motivation that I did. Although he has the same faith, this uh, caller mentioned she prays rosary every night with Father Rocky. I do too. Hmm. You know, and my husband just leaves the room. I take his hand and ask him to pray with me. No, uh, no, you you go ahead and pray. Don't you want to pray for our boys, you know, our grandkids? Um, God knows. God knows what, you know, I do pray for them, you know, and, and the way I pray, he, he prays in the closet, I guess. So, Linda, let me ask. So, just let me uh, let me let Father jump in here too. Father, is there a specific uh, specific thoughts on that specifically about um, well, especially when you're you're doing what you can, but uh, you see your children just kind of rebelling against church? Yeah, that's um, that's uh, you know, that's I said that's counterproductive, and. Um, that's where you just really have to have a conversation with your husband and say, look, I think you can insist on this as part of, um, part of as part of your marriage vows. That's one of the great things about marrying the Catholic church is that, you know, you, you took a vow and you go to your husband and say, look, you made a vow that uh, you would be open to children and raise them in the faith. 
you made that vow twice. You made it once when we sat down with the priest and we filled out our, the, the marriage forms, and you made it again at the altar in front of the congregation. Now, if if you're if 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 you don't want to pray anymore, that's great. I mean, it's not great, but that, that's up to you. But you have to be a, a you have to be a model of your for your children. That's your and in a certain sense, that's your number two responsibility as a husband. Is the first thing is to support your wife, and the second one is to be a good model for your children. And I, you, you just need to do that. You know, I, I'm, well, I, you don't have to pray the rosary at home. You don't have to teach. So you don't want to do that, but you just have to go to church with us and and make the kids behave because they're not going to listen to me. Hmm. And um, if he just downright refuses, then I, I think personally your best option as a uh, as a mother then is just to go to church yourself and take the boys if they want to go and see to, try to make it as attractive as possible for them to go, but don't force them on it because yeah. it, it'll be it'll be a losing battle. Right. Right. Well, thank you, Linda. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Carol, who's calling in from Washington. Carol, thank you for calling in to The Inner Life. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Stu. Uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah. I, I guess I just, um, I really say kudos to what you're saying. I was married to a very good Christian man for 30 years. Um, very happy marriage. We even, we prayed together. Um, but he didn't go to church with me. I was Catholic. And that was always a little strain, and you never really—I can't say that—can't say that I knew it while we were married. But after um, I was widowed six years ago, and after uh, that, I—I I was, of course, going to mass and uh, met a man. Actually, I'm pretty newly married again. I'm married in August. But when we started, when we talked about dating. That was my number one thing is, are you able to be married in the Catholic Church? I mean, I knew he was Catholic, and we were good there. But if you're not able to be married in the Catholic Church, you got to do something about that before we date. I think most more people need to know that dating leads to marriage. It's not just to go have fun. And I think both of us were, well, of course, we're older. We have a little more maturity under us. But I think that's something that really needs to be said is, you know, you need to make some of those things should really be optimal before you get to the point of marriage anyway that's what yeah, I, I think say. yeah that's a, I think that's a very great point and uh, that comes up all the time is you know it's you, you fall in love with somebody here's the thing about falling in love too that people I mean it's just people used to know this stuff but you can fall in love with anybody um, I, I sh- that's it's kind of a gross oversimplification but you know you can people people who are married fall in love all the time you can you can it's easy to in other words it's easy to fall in love with somebody that you have no right to be married to and so the first thing you want to do before you fall in love with somebody is make sure is this somebody i could be married to does this person have the moral character that i want do they have the faith that i want and in the case of older couples are they free to marry you know are they are they able to be married or do they have another marriage under their belt that restricts them from marrying somebody else? Hmm. So I think uh, Carol did a really good job there and it's yeah. something that we all, all need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Carol, let me go. Let me ask you a, another question though, if I may, just following up. Um, so I'm pleased that your first and this marriage seem to be um, well-founded in faith and that sort of thing. Even, even if your first marriage was uh, not to a Catholic, but to another faithful Christian, 
Um, but let me ask you, have you noticed any particular differences between your first marriage and this one in, now that you're married to a Catholic? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we, we start our day with a rosary, and, um, and we, we can actually talk about even, even silly things. Well, other people call them silly, but even things of how different people look at doctrine and other things, it's easy to have those conversations. I don't find myself being defensive, even when we don't see them the same. We both coming from the same background. It's easier to have that discussion, not be defensive on my terms. Or you know, and I don't think I felt. I don't think I thought I was doing that before. But I know I always was. I, I was always being trying to defend my faith, and mm. it's kind of nice to have a defender with me. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That is good. Well, thank you, Carol. Thanks for calling into the inner life. Very grateful that you joined the show and uh, had, yeah, some great stuff to to encourage us with. If you have things that you would like to encourage us with when it comes to uh, having a spouse of similar or different uh, views on faith and the practice of their faith, then give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're going to take another short break here, but we'll be back right after this. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio's line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF, an Illinois Life Insurance Society not licensed in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. Patrick Conley with you and sitting in for Josh Raymond with our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen. My thanks go out to Nick Sentovich and, uh, for, for producing the show today and for Maggie Greshel, who's taking your phone calls. And it really is a team effort, so to all the callers who have called in too, Dorothy Lois, Linda Carroll, all the folks who have called in, thank you for calling in. And uh, let's, uh, let's go on back to the phones. We've got Tony, who's calling in from Oakland, California. Tony, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, I wanted to say that I'm a Christian, and my boyfriend's a theoretical physicist. And, um, you know, so he's an agnostic. And um, so what's very interesting is about eight years ago, we went to Ireland, and George Berkeley, Bishop George Berkeley in the 1730s or 40s said, God is feel, and how that relates to theory. And so I've been able to feel God since I was very young. You know, the consolamentum within, I can feel that at all times. And just like Bernard of... Clairvaux, I can, um, you know, go into that little room and whatever. But so my boyfriend is reintroducing gravitation into uh, the fields of biology and theoretical phys- uh, physics, and he's working with NASA and whatever. And they don't include gravitation, which is motion. And how do you feel God? Well, it's a motion, a quickening that goes through you, and then we can go from there where... So Tony, let me let me cut in. Let me let me just jump in here, Tony, and just ask. Um, so how how have you and your and your boyfriend? I mean, how how do you have discussions about faith? Oh well, it's along the lines of physics, and then how I can feel God in everything, and then he he now sees that 
and beginning, you know, because he can always feel stuff in the physics, which he's adding the the gravitation, and he realizes that there's something to what I'm saying, and he's putting in, for instance, um, you know, various motions into his equations that have to do with God. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. And so before, <laughs> and and just are you familiar with familiar with? Um, Mechtel von Magdeburg from the 12th century. No, I'm not. I don't know. I don't okay. know that I am. Well, she uh, um, she was the time of um, uh, uh, like uh, the various saints. But anyway, because um, God is is basically fire, and we all have the small, you know, very, uh, above the whole thing, and we all have this small spark within us, which we are supposed to go into the little room within and join with the Christ within, which is what the spark is, and then we perfect our souls to be able to see God, because only the Son or the Christ sees God. Isn't that not correct? Okay. Um, well, let me uh, let me uh, ask for Father to jump in here, Tony, just uh, on some of the things. I, one of the things that I hear Tony saying there, too, there is there there. She's seeking out uh, some commonality, some ways of speaking that um, say that, yeah, we might be able to connect on this. So what would you say to that, Father? Yeah, that's exactly what you want to do with your spouse at all times is find common ground and move move, move in that direction, you know, out of certain um, love and uh, des- de- desiring of union, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think she's, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to sell the farm either, right? So, right. Sometimes our desire for union can just kind of like will downplay certain things that perhaps uh, you know we shouldn't. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's yeah. Uh, I love the idea of gravity. Is you know I feel God the way I feel gravity. Well, it's like wow, yeah, mm. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Just just ex- maybe just you know what, what she's trying to do and what we could do is ex- more more or less just explain how God ex- we experience God in our life is perhaps more attractive than telling somebody how they should experience God in their life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a wonderful point there, father. I really like that. Father, let me ask, and thank you, Tony. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for your time on the inner life. Um, I'm just as we're, as we're getting into the last five minutes or so of the show, um, any, any advice that you would give to couples who may find themselves at, at odds, at least somewhat, over, um, over their understanding of faith, their faith beliefs, their traditions, that sort of thing? Maybe specifically any saints that, uh, that we could go to for intercession and help in uh, such a marriage? Yeah, I would say that um, if you are experiencing difficulties, just really, you know, a if you can pray together as a couple, it's so helpful. And if they're Christian, you should be able to say the Our Father together. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, even if they're, if they're Jewish, you could say the Psalms together, right? Just to recite the Psalms together before you went to bed or at, at some time in the morning would just be, you know, so so beneficial. And St. Monica did, um, didn't really have the most believing husband in the world. So he would be, um, you know... One intercessor, um, reader, Rita of Kasha, was married to a man. Although he was Catholic, he wasn't the uh, he wasn't the uh, most faithful man in the world. So she was a great mystic and a great saint. 
So I would say those two um, saints I would I would turn to. You know, I'm not familiar with any men. I mean, St. Elizabeth of um, Hungary, too, another great um, woman saint, Sue, who was, although her husband was a little bit more in agreement with what she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would say I'd, I'd start with those, those three, and also St. Joseph, um, yeah. I think would be a, a great help. You know, he had, in a certain sense, he was at odds with his wife there for a little bit, not knowing what to do. Right. So. Yep. True enough. True enough. Yeah. I, I would imagine there was some uh, there was some tension in that relationship uh, for for quite some time. Yeah. So that was that was very good. I, I appreciate that. How about any any resources, any scriptures that come to mind, any books, Father, that you might be aware of about things that the uh, couples might look to uh, to help? Yeah. Grow you in you know, I'm I'm so much. I I really don't. I could have prepared a little bit more for that. I'm so much into preparing people for marriage rather than you know dealing with it on the back end. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been yeah. a, you know I've been with college students for the last sixteen years. But I just know if you're having um, problems in your marriage, retrovi has has really helped a lot of people. Yes. So, um, you know, it's I, obviously I've never been on one myself, but I've just I've always heard good things about it, and they're all over the country. And so, um, mm-hmm. don't be afraid just to go on a retrograde weekend, just right. to try to bring a, a little bit more unanimity to your marriage. Right. Absolutely. And their website for Retrovi, if you're interested, is www.helpourmarriage.org. And you can check that out to, to um, something that's important ministry that they do there as well. Well, Father, I appreciate the time that you've given us here um, in directing us through this. This is these are tricky situations, right? I mean, it's it's not necessarily something that's straightforward. But like you said, there along in the show, that uh, you never know um, when something like this is going to come. And I'm sure that we've had many people who could have called in that could have shared. I've heard many stories about people who say that God really did work in reconciling this relationship with my spouse and uh, bringing us closer to God and bringing us closer together. So it's a, it's a good thing. Well, Father, um, we're nearing the final minute of our show here. So as always, we'd like to get a blessing from our priest. So please, if you would, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask for your grace that you would send into all the spouses that have listened to this program a great desire to um, know and love you and to use that love for greater affection and unity with their spouse. Give them the grace to all those couples who are experiencing disagreements, especially in their faith, that they would be reconciled in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask this through the same Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, Father. Father Eric Nielsen is been our spiritual director today, and uh, we are we're heading into Thanksgiving. So a very happy Thanksgiving to you. And as you gather around the Thanksgiving table, wherever that may be, may you be blessed and may you recount all the many blessings that God has given you. One great way of continuing to receive from the Lord is staying tuned for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Father Ben Johnson is our celebrant today. Thank you for joining us here on The Inner Life. We'll be back on Monday and uh, grateful that you have been with us. And pray that rosary. God bless you.